So, uh, last episode, we were talking about uh, this area in sort of southern Brazil. This little guy. It's not far from far from there. Hmm. It's very squeaky. Kind of melodic. It sounds a very small frog. It sounds like it's a small frog that lives in the trees and has a waxy skin. It's from Brazil, yeah? Yeah. Endemic. It, endemic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just don't know the names of that many frogs. Um, I'm going to say it's the waxy-legged monkey tree frog. Ah, uh, well... Is that even a real frog? Though? I don't even have a common name for this one. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I need, I'm not sure. I wouldn't know where to start with a scientific name. Hyloides Phryloides. Hyloides Phryloides. I think so, or it's Hyloides Phryloides. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Hyloides Phryloides. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little... Um, again, last episode I was talking about something that looked like a wood frog slash common frog. This is essentially what this guy looks like. So this warm brownish, almost reddy brown frog with that lovely classic sort of Rana. Uh, is it Rana that have that split? Where you have the dark side, very pale sort of chin mark, brown top. What's it, what's it called again? Hyloides? Phryloides. Yeah, so H-Y-L-O-D-E-S. Yeah. And then the same again, but you just replace the H with a P-H and add an extra uh, L. Uh, so it's more like Hylides Phylides. Hylides Phylides. It doesn't even... Google does not even accept that that could be a thing. It just yeah, it has a stub of a Wikipedia page. It tries to redirect me to Phylides tumors. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's cute. It was just. I felt it was. It was nice just to find something that. You know, this might have been what people were hearing while they were out looking, for their bromeliad dwelling fruit eating frogs. Hmm. For this. High loads, fry loads. It is small though, isn't it? Looks tiny. It's like a picture of it on some moss. It looks very small. Yeah. But what a powerful call. Yeah, that call's no joke. It sounds like the kind of frog that would be sort of sitting in a tree or something and calling a lot of the time. It doesn't sound like an explosive breeder to me. No. But you know what is an explosive breeder? What? Well... The, the whole theme and point of this entire episode, which we haven't even introduced because I was too busy thinking about frogs. What is this? Episode 108? 107. 107. I've misnamed everything. That's amazing. Uh, 107. And we have a paper from Gardner, Menil, Savvy, Shangi, and uh, Doucette. Sexual selection in a tropical toad. Do female toads choose brighter males in a species with rapid colour change? And this is a brand new paper, 2021, in ethology. Hey, 2021 is not considered brand new anymore, I'm afraid. Uh, time keeps moving and making fools of us all. <laughs> There's nothing to be done. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about the neotropical yellow toad. Incilius luetkenii. Luet 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 Kenii, Incilius 
Luetkenii. And these are big toads, and they get up to about 10 centimeters snout-to-vent length, females slightly bigger than males. And as I said just now, or as I alluded to, they're explosive breeders. Perhaps, Ben, now you could put in like an explosion sound effect. So, um, yeah, and when we say explosive breeders, uh, obviously they're not just going to the breeding pond and exploding. They're actually, it refers to the fact that there's a very short window for breeding to occur in the year. And this tends to be where frogs are either waiting. two days. Yeah, right, for these guys, yeah. two days. It's, like, a it's not short to be time. overemphasized how short this window is. Yeah, so this environment they live in has kind of got half the year wet, half the year dry. And as soon as the wet season comes, those first big rains, the frogs, well, in this case, toads, all come out. They all go to the breeding ponds. Uh, it's the same phenomenon that we see here in the UK with our native amphibians. Um, they're waiting for spring. And when it comes, they they get into those ponds and they're mating. And these ones are no different. And... Yeah, as they mentioned in the in the title, uh, the males, particularly in this period, they are very bright yellow. So in the breeding season, some males will become this really bright sunburst yellow. It's actually like a yellow, which is quite surprising to see on a toad. It's it really very bright. Almost unnatural. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like luminous yellow. Um, but it's not all the males that get su- like super yellow. Some just get a bit more yellow but there's like this sort of variety of yellowness in the males and the fact that there's this variety with some males being more yellow than others it's kind of led the scientists to have this idea that maybe the yellow is attractive to females in some way and that being more yellow is an advantage in sexual selection so maybe these females are picking out the most yellow males that was the idea and there's a precedent for that other frogs have been shown to select mates based on their coloration so female european tree frogs they prefer males with brighter and more chromatic vocal sacs and flank stripes. So the brighter, the better if you're a female European tree frog. Similarly, uh, spadefoot toads, um, female spadefoot toads, they prefer males with brighter colours. And female strawberry poison frogs, which was a paper that we did on the podcast way back when. Ah, oh, that's what I was... I was wondering whether one of these were... I remember covering something that was little brightly coloured frogs and they had multiple different morphs. And, that was it. Uh, yeah. And the... More complex and just just brighter but brighter was one of the aspects wasn't it yeah in their case it was assortative mating so they liked frogs which were the same color as themselves Mm. and so you had that population which although it was intermixed for vast majority of the time the blue ones were bleeding with the blue ones and the red ones were bleeding with the red ones yeah so there is this kind of precedent that toads will or frogs in general amphibians have this kind of sexual selection of females picking males based on their color so the scientists wanted to extend that to this uh, neotropical yellow toad, Incilius luetkenii. And the males, when the breeding season comes, they all hop to the pond and they begin their attractive mating call. And then that lures the females to the pond and they start singing See, as well. We can, we, can, we can actually play in the mating call here, right? I can hear them now. As if you're there in the pond, seeing Pitch hundreds yourself. of large... Lemon sherbet esque coloured toads driving around. Yeah, the water's boiling with them. Imagine how many toads you're comfortable with. It's just a few more tipping over into the sort of a little bit too many toads to fully relax. That's how many toads there are at the pond. 
to keep you on edge. Yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, okay. Yeah. Let's hope these toads stay friendly. But yeah, the interesting thing about this is that some of the males are really yellow and some of them are more drab. But when they find themselves in amplexus, so when the male and the female are in their kind of mating embrace with the male on the back of the female, call that amplexus. And when that happens, almost immediately, the yellow starts to fade from the males. It's as if now they're mating, it's not relevant anymore. The yellow just begins to fade immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's probably part of the reason why the authors of this paper thought maybe that there was something to do with mate selection, because it's like suddenly that pressure's released, you found the mate, you're mating, you don't need to be yellow anymore. So what they wanted to do was set up an experiment where they tested to see whether or not the females were picking the most yellow males when they had the choice. So what they did was they caught up some female toads. Actually, yeah. So they caught the female toads and then they put them in an arena with a couple of fake toads. Oh, but these fake toads. Let, yeah, these are serious. I, this this requires a little bit of attention, this does. Because we've talked about plasticine models in the past with, you know, maybe it's a, a snake uh, crypsis study where they've got different patterns of these sort of plasticine models that are sort of just hand rolled out, bit of different coloration left out and be pecked at by birds. This is a whole other level. Yeah, this is like the, a hyper-realistic... Are they 3D printed or are they, they cast? Are, they are 3D printed, yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, the toad we're talking about, it looks hilarious. It's got a very, a very sort of typical toad posture. Sits very upright, massive head, big, yeah. big eyes on top. It looks like a sort of classic, you know, your, your Asian spine toad, cane toad sort of shape. Yes. Um, big warty arms and yeah, a very proud creature really but what they've created these fake ones they are so realistic down to the textures on the arms the the lines through the eyes the dots on the face it's literally incredibly uh, accurate and they had yeah. some really clever techniques where they painted oh, dude, them. like aspects of pulling in different images to make a sort of 3d an initial 3d uh, sort of scan of them and they're sort of hand corrected um the paint, like the, the you know, the second level of this is getting the paint color right because you're you're studying coloration here. So they've sort of through trial and error worked out this combination of uh, sort of paints and layering to paint these 3D models so they match the wavelengths of actual toads, both the duller morph and this bright yellow morph, and it, it's phenomenal the amount of effort and energy that's gone into make these these models as comparable to real life toads as they can yeah it's mental they have they have um reflectance uh spectra so like graphs which show the wavelengths of light at different um wavelengths and how much strength there is at each wavelength of light that's coming off real toads and these fake toads and they're virtually indistinguishable yeah yeah it's really quite it's really quite something an intense amount of effort has gone into tricking these toads into thinking that these toads are toads. And the other thing they did... Yeah, it doesn't stop there. <laughs> no, they actually move. So they're animatronic. So they do little things, like they look around. Do they blink or are they just looking no, around? No, 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 no. It's not quite that level of it. No, they're on, a, they're on a sort of a block sort of servo system, so they rotate. Um, <laughs> there's a great video in the supplements that I'll, I'll put in the show notes. Um and you'll see they'll they'll both move in unison, so there's not a bias, but being generated by this this choice experiment. So they 
both the dull and the bright model move in in sync and they just yeah. sort of rotate quite quickly to to presumably sort of random angles i can't remember how they pick the angles but um yeah they do these little like shuffles <laughs> yeah and that's the key thing so they were putting um a female into this arena where it's like a triangle just, basically <laughs> just the other fun thing about them you can buy them online no way i was gonna yeah. say can we get in touch with the authors and get one because so one of the authors one of, i think i you know piecing together people's surnames and what what uh, websites are called um who is it lincoln lincoln savvy or savvy um there's a website SavvyMade or SavvyMade.ca, which the logo of the website is this beautiful. Uh, it's a lovely illustration of this this toad. And although they, they are out of stock, unfortunately, but no. <laughs> fourteen dollars and you can get yourself a neotropical yellow toad model. Fourteen dollars. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, this is my. I'm wondering whether it's actually 3D printed or it's just the file. Ah. Uh, so oh my I'm not, word. I'm not super positive you get the actual physical thing. I think you might just get the file to 3D print it. These freeze toads are so funny. I'm watching the video. I'm watching the video and uh, the experiment arena is a lot bigger than I imagine. There's quite a lot of room for the female to hop around. And so it's a triangle with a drab toad, a drab robotic toad in one corner, a bright robotic toad in the other corner and the female in the final corner. And then there's like a glass partition that's removed and they were just looking to see... Yeah, well, no, please, can we give it its proper name? That's the acclimatization... The <laughs> acclimation chamber. The acclimation chamber. Acclimation so chamber, yeah. She goes in the acclimation chamber for two two minutes and then the acclimation wall is removed and then she's allowed into the true experimental arena with the two <laughs> bizarre spinning servo Robo toes. frogs. That, yeah, the robo frog in unison. Like, I mean, it's... It is utterly bizarre. But what they were expecting to see is that the female would approach the bright, more brightly coloured male quicker, touch them more often, and just generally interact with the more brightly coloured toad more frequently. Yeah, it is worth noting. So so basically they had, had an observer, a single observer, to keep an eye on the female movement and to score it, whether it went over and how many times it touched and stuff. And it's we don't see this come up particularly often in a lot of these papers because you've got a limited author team and, you know, maybe it hasn't sort of been given that forethought. But this was, they're very specific here that the person observing had no idea what the, the hypothesis was being tested and the score wasn't towards brighter toad, towards duller toad. It was to right or left. So they took great sort of care to make sure the person scoring this, observing the behaviour, had no sort of background bias that could skew the way it was being scored one way or another to sort of accidentally confirm or accidentally sort of reject the hypothesis because they were ignorant of it. So mm. really nice bit of blinding which is definitely worth sort of remembering as an important component of these sorts of studies. You don't want to accidentally uh, interpret movement yeah. one way or the other and that's a great way of counteracting that. So always bring someone along who hasn't got a clue what's going on. Yeah, well, and tell them to score it for something which is not directly the hypothesis. That Trick was them. brilliant. Like, well, not even that, but just like, do they go left or do they go right? Yeah. You, you know, they changed whether the bright one was on the right or the left 
in yeah, different, and they also... different trials, so they had to keep track of that. But it's this really nice neutral way of recording behavior, which you can later interpret. But the data itself is kept as pure as possible from, from human interpretation. Pure data. Yeah, the uh, the other thing they did was swap them around occasionally, or lots. So it was like random which side the toad was that was bright, because a lot of animals literally just like going left or right. So, uh, yeah, they had to control for that as well. Which is, what, you know, people are right and left-handed. Mate, I'm thigmataxic, so... I I'll don't go even know what that the, means, but I'm, I'll go whichever I'm sorry way the wall goes. Yeah, no, I mean, you are too. You are too. If you were in an experimental arena, I guarantee you'd be wall hugging, especially if there were novel threats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walls uh, are places of safety often. Yeah, I mean, at least there's one less direction they can get you. So Right. Yeah, that's thigmataxis. Yeah, I'm pretty that's, sure. That's smart. Worth a Google, though, to make sure I'm not going to just get told, idiot. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> The motion or orientation of an organism in response to a touch sim- stimulus. Oh, no. Thigmataxis <laughs> is wall-hugging behavior. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. So, uh, yeah, but what they found was the females really didn't show a preference for bright or drab. They just didn't... There was no no discernible difference, essentially, in all of the metrics they measured. Yeah, so that's like similar lengths of time with both bright and dull models, uh, which one was first approached, um, which one they made contact with, uh, latency to approach either model. Like, so what's that? Like four or what five is that? different latency, metrics? The, the time it's, it took them. Yeah, yeah. So the delay until they, they bothered uh, approaching one of the models. Yeah, four different mm. metrics. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's no, essentially in these, in these explosive breeding neotropical yellow toads, there's no evidence that the females are selecting for mate based on their color. And at the beginning of this discussion, I mentioned a few examples of frogs where it has been demonstrated that the females are selecting for males based on color. But one thing which connects all of those species is that they're what we call prolonged breeders. So those are frogs which are holding a territory uh, for long periods of time quite often, and they're breeding through a large part of the year. So there's not this intense, explosive breeding going on. It's more of a case of the male will set up a territory, he will call and attract the female, and the female then comes, and it's probably then where the female is exerting this uh, ability to choose. Whereas in these toads, the neotropical yellow toads, they're explosive breeders, right? It's a much more chaotic event. There's a lot more intensity. They're coming out. There's this two or three day window. They're all in the pond. They're calling wildly. There's loads of toads there. And they're probably, or there may just not be the opportunity for females to exert that mate choice. It's more of just a case of like everyone rumbles together and, you know, it all happens as it happens. The other thing they mention is that it might be that there's, more say for the males so maybe the males have more control over mate selection because the males will often sort of kick each other off um if a male is amplexing a female and another male comes it will like boot them away the males also might struggle together before sort of reaching a sort of decision about who's the strongest and then the strongest goes on to mate so it could be that there's not as much opportunity for active female choice the other thing they suggest is that it might be that there are sort of female selection forces at work but this experiment wasn't really designed to see them so it could be that females have choice over which male they mate with under certain conditions. So say, you know, in the experimental arena, it's quite a limited space. It could be that actually in the pond, they might be able to spot a bright yellow male and just approach them. Uh, And then this 
sort of thing might not have quite captured that. But yeah, they they bring up a couple of times this idea of uh, like sexual identification as a yeah. as a potential option for this. It's it's like IDing a frog as male or IDing a frog as female mm. um, as being helpful. Yep, yep, totally. And I'm sure that they do use that. Um, you see that across all kinds of uh, reptiles and amphibians. Something that chameleons do a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm, I would be very surprised if this bright yellow coloration isn't just simply to identify the males. It probably also stops the males wasting time jumping on other males. Um, and that would explain why as soon as they're in amplexus, it fades away because it's no longer relevant. But just going back to the female mate choice, uh, they also suggest that females may have some other ways of controlling. And they don't know this, but if the female ends up in amplexus with a male that she considers undesirable for some reason, she may just refuse to lay her eggs um, so there might be like post copulatory cryptic mate choice they call it where mm. yeah they're in amplexus but they don't have to lay the eggs um, so it could be that they they are exerting some choice that way but that's kind of beyond the scope of this study yeah or or it's a male choice male competition thing too like there are so yeah. many different components here we we often sort of when when we're dealing with these these mate choice uh, papers bring up that there's always, there's always two parts to the to the choice or to the competition um so who knows it's fascinating yeah. though i this paper's so beautifully laid out and sort of set up yeah um, yeah they've really nailed figures it all, all color coded yeah, to the, the bright and dull so cool. yeah. beautiful little diagrams we've got beautiful pictures of toads in here we've got Great descriptions of the little robo toads. It, it's really tidy, really, mm. really tidy. Yeah, it was really great. It was a really nice one to read. Cool. Um, and you can see a video of these toads observing the robo toads, uh, too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of entertaining. <laughs> the toads are funny the way they spin around. Um, but yeah, I think that's. That's it for uh, for these uh, neotropical yellow toads. Um, yeah. Have you got any other business this, this episode, this week? I have no business of any type. No business from Ben. Nope. Nope. No, I think, I think I'll have some coming up, but uh, waiting on things. Yeah, no, I haven't really got any other business. I'm starting my field work for my PhD again in about 10 days. So, um, yeah, cheeky little holiday before and then back to the snake tracking. The snake grindstone. The grind yeah. snake. Yeah. So I went out uh, with the field team this week, got all the refugia and stuff, sorted out our black roofing felts that snakes are supposed to hide under, um, but seldom do. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, we've been putting flyers through people's doors, hoping that they'll call us when they see snake? a snake. Yeah, literally, that is the title of the flyer. It says, have you seen this snake? And oh, there's like a bunch of pictures of Escalapian snakes. Um, so yeah, we're just really hoping that we'll find a good sample this year. We got we smashed it last year with nine. I've got 11 transmitters coming. So if we can get another 11 snakes, that would be really cool. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Yeah, cheers. Um, so yeah, I guess then that... Uh, yeah, there's not really a lot else to be said, is there? I think if you want to get in touch with us, you can. Uh, Herphighlights at gmail.com. Uh, again, if you want to become our patron, that'd be amazing. Uh, Patreon.com slash Herphighlights. Massive thank you to all the patrons. Massive, hugely appreciated. Uh, you guys are great. And 
yeah, we're on social media if you want to get in touch with us. Um, yeah, hope people are liking the shorter format stuff and sort of general efforts to revamp things. But yeah, we've got we've got great new uh, artwork courtesy of Ben himself. I was like, Ben, can we have it orange and pink? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was essentially the brief. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we've got neon disco colours, and uh, I'm I love I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let us know if you feel you know if you think the short episodes are good. That'd be great to know. Um, and similarly, if you miss the long ones, if enough people complain about it, maybe we'll go back. So yeah, get in touch. But yeah, otherwise, I think that. Nice one. Cheers for listening. And uh, yeah, see you in the next one. Yeah, thanks for listening. He will or he won't. And well, uh, um, I, I like. I'm, I feel like putting the frog call there is the explosion sound effect. Just uh, a I like it. Just, could yeah. you think? You think you could sort of blend it so it starts off as an explosion and then morphs into the frog call? Is that something we have the technology to produce, or is that a little? Oh, bit- we absolutely have access to the technology to produce that. It's whether I have the ability, time, and just can be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so p- inclination pending.